Man, what you mean that's a foul? I'd even touch him, ref. That's some bullshit. Technical foul on number 26. You, sir, are out of the game. Oh, come on, ref. That's bullshit. Well, this episode is about to be some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of A Simple Crime. And you know, I always got my man, no wheezy, it ain't sleazy, being cheesy, being breezy for sheezy. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> No, every 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 week it changes. Every yes, week it every week it changes. Uh, you know me, man. I'm just Mac. Looking like a snack. Nah, ain't always, no snack. Always just, on the attack. Yes, always on the attack. Better for in, sure. in black. I'm wearing all black for yes, sure. I am wearing all black. But you know, today's episode is more. I don't. It's not a conspiracy theory, but they 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 kind of leaned that way a little bit. It did. Right. It felt like it. And then, but then it's more like you know, bipartisan like partnerships like people who don't really like you didn't feel like you were getting your fair shake yeah nobody really got their fair shake i I, I mean i still don't feel like as a human being as a person living in this modern day world i don't feel like i get my fair my fair shake in this world hell no i i think there's more to be desired sometimes there's some shit left on the table right you know we could go with that yeah but today's story we are talking about none other than the godfather of basketball refereeing himself. Yes, sir. And who are we talking about? Tim Donahue. Tim Donahue. And you know, you know, reason I say godfather, and keep this in mind, people. I say godfather. Guess who was partially involved? If you guys know your... One of the godfathers, right? One of the godfathers. One of the kingpins of the New York Mafia. John Gotti yes, himself sir. Yeah. was involved, supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. Well, that's how... I mean, obviously, we'll break down some of the details in a bit, but John Gotti was basically, it kind of led to a direct route to, well, indirectly, it directly led to Tim Donahue, if that makes any sense. We'll explain it later, but yeah, it was, um, and and this is something that we both know and love very well, right, basketball, and and to have, I remember this, you know, 2007 was when this scandal first broke out, Mm -hmm. right, and I was a kid at the time who always watched SportsCenter, always watched ESPN, and I remember when this first came out, I didn't really fully understand it because, again, I'm in seventh grade or eighth grade. But, um, you know, I mean, that was a now looking at the documentary, right. now looking at the story as a whole like that, you know, that really could have changed the sport for the worst. And, you know, some things were kind of put on the hush and we'll discuss that later in the show. But, yeah, Tim Donahue, kind of a crazy story, man. It's an NBA referee. And we're about to get into that. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting story. So, let's get into his background a little bit. Yeah, so, Tim was born January 7, 1967, in a Philly suburb called Havertown, Pennsylvania. Um, The crazy thing is, man, this hometown, and and the Philly area in general, Mm -hmm. produced a lot of NBA referees. Yes, it did. Yes, Steve Javi was one. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the other. Foster. yeah, what's his name? What's his first name though? Tim Scott Foster. Scott no, Foster. Scott Foster. Scott Foster. Oh, and there's another Tim. dude, Joe Crawford. Joe Crawford. All yes. came from not e- those three came specifically from the same high school that Tim went to. And, and they then, all refed in the CBI. Yep, uh, CBA. CBA, sorry. And then a lot of refs do come from the Philadelphia area in general. So I just I think that's kind of interesting because I know Philadelphia is kind of like a rough area. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something about like you know building thick skin. That they succeed at referees or some shit like that, but uh, I just thought that was super interesting because you know, you hear hotbeds for like other shit, you know, football players, for baseball players, for scientists, but never for NBA referees. So that right. that's kind of funny, but um, yeah, Tim Donahue, his grandpa actually was a he refed in NCAA basketball. 
and he did so at the highest level towards his later years. Um, he played baseball himself. He played baseball and basketball growing up. He went to Villanova, Villanova University, which is in Philadelphia, and he played baseball there. After he graduated, he refereed for about 12 years doing high school basketball. As you said, the CBA, which was kind of like the minor leagues at the mm-hmm. time. I think like an amateur, but like, like a high the, level amateur. Because the Spurs were in there. Mm-hmm. If, you ever, if you guys ever watched that movie, uh, Tropic... What is it called? Semi-Pro. Semi-Pro? By the, tro- the, uh, the Tropicals. I think they were called it. Flint Tropics. Whatever the fuck they, they were called. Yeah. But if you watch that movie, you'll understand why. Mm-hmm. Like how the CBA functioned back then. Before certain teams were eligible to make it to the NBA. Right. And it was, it was sort of like the ABA. You know what I mean? Like it, it was another minor league. Or not even minor league at the time. But it was just another basketball league. Basketball league. That wasn't as big. But it still generated revenue. Right. It was still profitable. They had referees. And you know that was the path for referees to make it out into the NBA. So that was always Tim's goal, to try and make it to the highest level of basketball. In 1994, shout out, that was the year I was born. Oh, ass. <laughs> he, uh, he finally got hired by the NBA, and uh, over his career, he did 772 regular season games. He did 20 playoff games. He was uh, a referee during the Malice in the Palace. When Ron Artest and Ben Wallace and all those guys. I wonder if he got socked. I, I wonder if he did too or if he had to like duck some do- yeah, uh, some, some cans or something. Yeah, something like that. That was a crazy game. Obviously, if you're a basketball fan, you know that very well. Um, if you don't know what the Malice in the Palace is, it's on Netflix. It's part one of the untold yeah. stories on Netflix. Watch that documentary. Pause the podcast. Go watch it. First, even if you don't want to watch the documentary, just watch it on YouTube. Yeah, that, that get, right there will open your eyes to... A lot of things. Motherfucker went into the crowd and just started socking on motherfucker. If you're if you're a sports fan, just you should. I definitely recommend you watch that. Yep. So how Tim Donahue becomes a you know obviously more famous than just becoming another referee in the NBA. In July twentieth, two thousand seven, a New York Post columnist by the name of Murray Weiss, he reported that there was an FBI investigation going on on a on a betting scandal, potential betting scandal between an NBA referee who happened to be Tim Donahue, and he found this out because of, what was the guy's name again? Uh, Mafia, officer. Oh, uh, John Gotti. John Gotti, right? So John Gotti and uh, and a powerful Newark Mafia had just gotten arrested that year, and through, because they did a lot of wiretaps, they were listening to a bunch of his conversations, his people's conversations, and somehow they were able to connect three people Right, a guy named uh, I forgot his first name, but it was like Baba Bautista, Baba, yeah, Baba Bautista, um, Fernando, Fernando, and then his Tim, best, Tim, his yeah. So those three is like so. Fernando is uh, Tim's best friend. Right, they've known each other since they were in grade school, mm-hmm. and then for, he brought Baba into the mix, and he was like to a be boogie. like the third party, right? Like so, Bob Fernando was like the middleman, mm-hmm. and then. Tim was placing the bets. Yes. So, you know, it was a whole scandal. If you watch the documentary, it goes more into depth. We'll give it to you the best we can. But basically, what happened is Tim noticed as he refereed many times, because this is already after uh, a decade right. and some change refereeing, he noticed that the NBA would tell them, you know, and the documentary details it very well because. In his first couple of games, he was calling a lot of fouls on Michael Jordan, Reggie mm-hmm. Miller, and you know some higher ups in the NBA were telling him, "Yeah, we want these calls being called, but not on our superstars." Right, cause because they're... yeah, because them with five fouls in the fourth quarter does us no good because people pay to see them mm-hmm. on, on late in the games. 
So he kind of understood, you know, things. He kind of understood, like, you know, some coaches didn't have a, a good relationship with the referees. Uh, other players also didn't have a good relationship with the referees. So just based off of the knowledge that he knew, he did not tell anyone to, you know, contrary to what a lot of people believe, he didn't tell anyone, hey, fix this game for me. Hey, you know, make sure right. this team loses. He just picked Follow up on tendencies. Right. He picked up on coaches and players' tendencies with certain referees. And he said, hey, I like this matchup. I think you could win if you put money on X team over Y team. And so because his first so many were successful, him and his buddy Fernando, like you said, got linked with Baba, which was the local bookie in that, you know, Havertown uh, city that they lived in in Pennsylvania. And because Baba was connected to Gotti in mm-hmm. New York, and not just got New York and got Gotti in New York, to mafia and mobsters yeah. all over, whoever yeah. wanted to gamble. Yeah. Because you got to remember, too, I mean, gambling's pretty big now where you could just download an app. App and do it. Mm-hmm. But back then, you had, to have a, you had to have a bookie, and you had to have connections, you had to have approval right. from certain people in order for you to even think about making it. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. So, and doing all that, like... It kind of put him on the radar. Yeah. You know? And exactly. And that's the thing. is like it came up as a red flag because once Gotti got caught, it tracked it to Baba, Baba. And then Baba obviously got tracked to Fernando and uh, Tim because they could see how many phone calls were being made. Right. But it was just kind of an interesting thing because, you know, you know, in the documentary, I think they detail it really well. I think out of like the 53 games that he betted. And for, at the first beginning of it, he didn't bet on Tim's games. In the very beginning, Tim was very against him betting like on his own games, giving mm-hmm. him bets that he was doing. But he gave it on based off of other referees and their relationships with that ex player or that, you know, so and so head coach. So I thought that was interesting too because, you know, obviously as a kid when I first heard this story, I didn't really understand that. I thought he was like he himself is fixing games or other people are fixing games. That's like no, he was just kind of like just going off of tendencies that he really have obviously had a good insight on because he worked with a lot of these people. And I feel like to this day, like it's still happening. Yeah. Right. Like if if you watch the NBA now, like you watch certain players, like they'll go in the paint, they'll call, they'll get fouls called for them, or they'll hit somebody they want to. Like for example, LeBron could play a whole game and have only like two fouls. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. And when's the last time you've seen LeBron fouled out? I don't Once. know. Once. I would say his whole career. And it might have been like ten years ago because I feel like now they rarely call fouls on LeBron. Yeah. Once his whole fucking career. And I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, obviously it's a different sport. But I remember that was a big thing, too, especially with young black quarterbacks. When they would come into the NFL, you know, I remember when Cam Newton was first getting into the league. There was a couple times where he'd get hit late or hit in the head. And he would look at the referees. And one referee one referee made the remark. And this I forgot his name, but, like, he made the remarks, like, you're not Peyton Manning yet. And it was kind of like, damn, like, because Peyton Manning's this old, established quarterback who's made the league lots of money. And a lot of people watch Cam, or Peyton Manning. You know, he gets some of those calls, those 50-50 calls, and Cam wasn't because he was young, he was unproven, yada, yada. And I think that's some bullshit, you know, but it, but it does happen in all sports. It's funny you say that, because I was watching this, uh, shout out to TikTok, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be learning some shit on TikTok. So, I was watching this thing on this, uh, this I forgot his name, but um, it's like, he does his own, like, sports, like, series. Like, he talk about, like, games and stuff, or whatever. And it was right after the Broncos and the Seahawks game, mm. right? And they said, imagine, like, Russell Wilson didn't have, like, the clock was running. He couldn't call timeout because he didn't have that power yet. But imagine if it was Peyton Manning. It was even though if they're both in the same situation, first year, first year, mm-hmm. 
Peyton Manning could call that time out, but Russell Wilson can't. Right. You know? Makes and sense, yeah. the fact that you say that, like, I'm like... Yeah, it's a, it's a trust factor, and sometimes yeah. there's a lot of deep... I don't even say, like, coaches or whoever makes those decisions are racist, but it's right. like it's like an internal prejudice, you know what right. I mean? Where it's just like, you know, they can trust these guys easier, and they can't trust these guys not as easy. Whereas Russell Wilson has earned his keep, right. to me, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, yes, yeah. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. After 10 plus years in the NFL, 100%. Yeah. I mean, th- he was solid every single year he's played. Yep. I mean, even when he's injured, he still plays. Right. So, I mean, I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah. But uh, when we, because you said that, it kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, all right, like, that makes sense now. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, going back to Tim Donahue, right, to kind of finish up this, this scandal, this mainly took place in the 2005, 2006 seasons and the 2006 and 2007 seasons. And um, because he would communicate, he never communicated directly to Baba, right? It was always through Fernando. Yeah, third party, like middleman, third mm-hmm. party. Yeah. And it was really cool because they would always, they had code names, right? If you watch the documentary, they talk about how, you know, they didn't actually say who's the away team, who's the home team. They would say, you know, hey, like I heard your cousin Jimmy and Jimmy was like the away team. Mm-hmm. Right? And I heard your cousin Jimmy just flew in from Boston. How's he been? Right. And they would have a whole conversation about this cousin named Jimmy but when he said cousin and Jimmy from Boston, that means he means Boston. Is take, playing. Yeah, Boston's playing the away team. Bet on them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I always found that kind of interesting is how, like, they kind of went about their own way. It was a system that worked pretty well for, like, 2,000 years. And if you think about it, the way Tim was explaining in the documentary, his, like, normal base salary was, like, $400,000 for the NBA. Pretty mm-hmm. good money. I mean, that's really good money. Damn right. That's yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> right and it was like god damn and then um not only was he making that money but then basically the way baba had set it up they described in the documentary even if he lost a bet he wouldn't like have to pay up anything but every bet he won he would get like i think like was it like two grand right so it was you know depending on the size of the bet too right so it was just kind of a crazy thing where sometimes each night after a game if he guessed right or if he gave correct information that team he just told them to bet on did end up coming up correct he would get another extra sometimes 50 sometimes 100 grand just off of that one bet alone because baba wasn't taking no small bets i mean these motherfuckers i mean i think that's what's crazy is like i've well actually i don't want to write myself out but i know people who bet games <laughs> you don't on, write on yourself are you just there? <laughs> no, no 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 but you know some people bet small like i know a lot of i know a lot of people who bet go to Vegas and they'll gamble on sports. $100 here, $200 there. Now, right. these motherfuckers were gambling thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. $10,000. That's how you become a quick millionaire, bro. Shit. But you, you got to have that money, obviously, in order to, to, to bet it. I got a thousand it. pennies. Yeah. It was, just, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. You know, I think to, to, talk, to see that kind of money being spent is just kind of like always amazing when, when people can just kind of throw that, throw that money around without it ever being like a... A sweat to them, you know? Right, like, oh, right. no biggie. Don't even blink about it. Yeah. It's like, eh, eh, That's pocket change. What? <laughs> pocket change. So it's kind of crazy. One of my kids, the other day, we were sitting in the class, and they were, we were talking about, like, the upcoming uh, football game, right? Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins are playing the Ravens. He goes, I got the Ravens. I'm like, all right, you're going to bet against my Dolphins. Bad, appreciate that. He's like, I'll bet you a million dollars. I was like, bro, I don't got that, bro. I got, like, five dollars to my name. He's like... Nah, that's pocket change for me. <laughs> I was like, bro, you don't even work. 
<laughs> but it, it goes to show like what, what you're saying like people are just like some people are just in their mind like money's just an object to them you know yeah. they can just bet it place it do whatever the fuck they want to do with it not even think about like any repercussions or nothing because if they lose it cool you took a risk it didn't pay off cool but if it does pay off it pays off yeah because imagine you bet like a hundred thousand dollars on a game and you be, you get like like a, a quick two million three million dollars like, mm-hmm. that's solid that's solid for a hundred thousand dollar bet yeah and that's the thing too that's the one thing that you know tim and fernando they kind of documented really well in the documentary is that they were so eye-opened by how much money these people could make right right because you know let's say i think one example they use like this person worked x amount of hours serving at this restaurant and they would only make you know two hundred dollars a night which is still good money right two hundred dollars a night at a restaurant is crazy that's that's good but you drop a bet and let's say you hit on that bet people are making you know fifty thousand dollars just off a bet and they didn't do shit they just Just you know guess something correctly Yeah. yeah And it's kind of like, you know, the difference, and that's why they were attracted to such a thing, even though they knew it was illegal, you know. And so, eventually, like we said, because they get Gotti, mm-hmm. they're connected to Baba, which connects to Fernando, which connects to Tim. And so, as they're busting down Tim, right, this is the part of the documentary I found very interesting, too, because Tim kind of says it a couple of different times that, like, a lot of referees, because, you know, they would travel together. They would do sometimes 10 games on the road together. Right. And so, you know, you are with this crew for long periods of time. A lot of times they would hit up the casinos. A lot of times they would just, you know, make small bets between who would make the first foul call in a game. Yeah, who would get the jump ball. Exactly. Yeah. And this was stuff that was all against referees the doing league, that in, yeah. the re- in the rules. And so, you know, Tim didn't want to just kind of like out all the referees, but he said this was like a common thing. Mm-hmm. And that when he was, you know, first notified that the FBI was not only searching him, but Baba and Fernando, he was like, well, I'm going to try and take down the whole referees as well. Right. And somehow, some way or another, things didn't happen that way. They didn't. And he was and, the only one who went down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, no, well, actually... Baba and Fernando. They True, got he's the only referee, referee that, that went, went down. down. And they kind of, that's the headline is that uh, he was, um, ooh, he was some rogue referee that was that doing this was on his only. own, was acting on his own, didn't have any communication with any other referee, but he was doing this by himself. And they also, this is the thing too that I didn't think it was fair. Obviously, what he did was wrong. I'm not saying they should sugarcoat anything or make him, paint him as a good guy. But they did, when they first announced it, when that first New York columnist uh, caught wind of the FBI investigation, he reported as this guy was fixing games. Right. That wasn't true at all. It wasn't true. He was just following the league's rules. Mm-hmm. He, w- he was following the league's rules, and he was just giving bets based off of his knowledge. Based off of what the, the yeah, whatever the commissioner. Exactly. Hey, rest in peace, you know, to David Stern. David Stern. All right. But David Stern was, you know, saying, hey... Like, you know, he was the one who said it. Like, I know and earlier we said the league was saying, nah, David Stern was the one yeah. saying, like, hey, like certain players, like Michael Jordan had a great relationship with David Stern. Right. You know, like LeBron, Michael Jordan goes in the paint, you know, don't follow him. Right. Just like right now, LeBron has a great relationship with Adam Silver. Yeah. You know, LeBron goes in the paint, called every foul. Yeah. Even though you don't get every single one of them, but at least give him at least Give him a majority. Four. If you get 10 fouls out on him, give him six. Yeah. That's over fifty percent. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they I feel I, I've always known that that shit was rigged. Yeah, 
to some certain extent, whether it was with money involved or not money involved. Right. But, you know, you could just tell, I mean, there's always the, you know, the crazy thing is when the Celtics played the Warriors, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was Scott Foster or if it was the other dude. No, I think it was Scott Foster. Um, Scott Foster was nicknamed the extender because, like, there was, like, I think in games that were, where one team had three wins in the, in the series and the other team had one or two. And Scott Foster refereed, I think it was like eight times out of nine, he extended the series. So like, also you know with mean? the like, Lakers and Sacramento Kings. Exactly. Oh, that and that that was also in the documentary. And that mm-hmm. was crazy. That was a crazy time. Um, so it's kind of interesting, too, because they also talk about the player's perspective. They talk about the coach's perspective. And they talk about other referees' perspective. And, and um, you know, that game was being one in particular where, man, the Kings, I mean, but that's the thing. Lakers, Los Angeles, that's going to sell in the finals. The Kings, Sacramento, as good as a team as they were on a national scale, no one in Boston, no one in Miami, no one in Kansas City is going to care about the fucking Sacramento Kings. That's true. You know what I mean? Vegas, I never want to bet on them. Right. And so, unfortunately. Especially like Boston, being being they were going to play Boston. No, who did they play that year? uh, I think that was uh, the New Jersey Nets. They played the Nets in the yeah, finals? Yeah. But yeah, so... Either even the Nets then, or the Pistons. But I think the Pistons were the year after that. Yeah, Pistons were the year after that. Yeah. So yeah, even then, like, they wouldn't have been, like, a big mar- marquee... No. Like, betting in Vegas. No, but, in, you know, Nets, Kings is, like, worse. You know what I mean? Like, no, not a lot of neutral fans are going to turn into Nets, Kings. Right. So, it, it was just interesting. I, I think the documentary does a better job of detailing the entire landscape of everything and how Tim... I don't like I like I said I don't think he tries to come off as innocent. I think he admits to his wrongdoings, but he also says this wasn't just me. There's right. other people who and you know had prejudice. There was the league telling us who to call for and who not to call for. I didn't fix. He said so this day. I never fixed any games, and for a while he was very reluctant on giving Baba bets on his own games. Mm-hmm. It took him a while to do that, and I think even in you know. And like I think it was like fifty three games that Baba bet on for Tim Donahue. He was like forty three and ten. So he wasn't a perfect hundred percent. Right. You know what I mean? He hit most of the time, but he didn't hit all the time. And so I think that's the biggest difference between like, you know, actually fixing, actively fixing games versus just like using insider information that none of us have. Which is something like, you know, if you think about like stocks, right? Uh, you know, you can get hit with um, insider trading. Let's say you're the CEO at Google. And you know Google's going to have a down quarter or whatever, so you sell a bunch of stocks. Or I don't know. You buy a bunch of stocks, and then when things go up, you fucking sell. That's supposed to be illegal. I'm sure a lot of people get caught away, get caught with right. get away with it, but the handful of people here and there will get caught with it. Right. Like, let, let's, let's, play, let's talk about this real quick, right? Mm-hmm. We, we talked about the NBA. We, we focused on the NBA. We talked a little bit about the NFL just for a quick second. Right? Like, let, let's take a couple steps back. Imagine... Right. We talked about the last episode how technology is so advanced. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do anything on your phone. Yeah. Right. Do you think that it's happening in the college football or even the NFL? Like, right now, to where, like, flags are so easy to throw. Yeah. All you got to claim is something, even whether you're wrong or right. Like, all you got to throw a flag. You cost somebody 15 yards, that could cost them the whole game. Yeah. Do you think it's happening in those leagues? I, I think so. I, I don't think it's as blatant as we expect it. I don't think every game is fixed. And that's the thing, too. I think that's one thing that I think this story depicts really well is there's a difference between fixing and just kind of favoring. Favoring, right. You know what I mean? And, and favoring 
might seem like fixing on the outside, but it's not. You know what I mean? But I, I, I remember watching it as a Panther fan. You know, they weren't giving Cam Newton calls for shit. That mm-hmm. motherfucker took a beating. And I'm not, and he's not the only quarterback. I don't want to say like, oh, boohoo, poor Cam. No, other, I'm sure other quarterbacks took beatings too compared to others. Right. But you know what I mean? There was, and I've watched some games in the NBA or, or college basketball or college football or baseball where it's like, yo, like, why, why was that call made? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, that wasn't even like a 50-50. That was like a, 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 a 40-60, you know what I mean? Or a 30-70. Right. Why are you calling that one? And um, it's just kind of, I think, if anything, this story puts a taint to a lot of the sports that we know and love. Because, you know, one thing that I always grew up and my family told me was that boxing is, is, is controlled by the mob. Boxing is... It's always been. Boxing is, like, very heavily influenced by those Vegas, you know, bookies. Mm. And, you I, know mean, I mean, most of the fights take place in Vegas. UFC, it, too, now. Exactly. And, even, and so that's the thing, too. Like, you know, Canelo and Triple G are fighting this weekend, the weekend that we're recording, right? Um, and, and that's the thing, too, is, like, you know, people who watch and know a lot of boxing, they're saying, you know, Canelo didn't draw that first fight. Like, it should have been a... Or I think he won the first fight, and it should have been a draw, or if anything, Triple G. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, like, fixing that goes on. Or not fixing, but favoring right. one way or the other that goes on in all sports. And I think that kind of taints it because, you know, how... Who's to say that this person won, or this team won something fair and square? A championship, a heavyweight belt, whatever. Right. You know, and, and, and the reason I'm, I asked you that question is because, like, we, we both know we coach and... Our, our leagues that we, our little leagues that we play with. I'm not going to name, no, no mm-hmm. names. But, you know, there are times, like, I, you know, where, and that's not just me. Some of the kids will come up to me, like, I feel like the, the refs are favoring yeah. another school over another. Yeah. You know? And I've seen it with my own two eyes. Yeah. I, I, and that's a trip, too, because sometimes you feel like, let's say you know a ref really well. I mean, you can't even bet on those, though. <laughs> I know you can't, but it's just funny, like, that's like, damn, like, and because we've been, I think, on the referee's shoes, too. Right. So I always try and have a, what do you call that? Like, a, I'm very quick to not let my players blame the refs. Right. Because, you know, as much as they fuck up a call, we probably fucked up in the beginning to make this not even close. Right. You know I mean, like, we could have been winning by more. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. In our leagues, I've, we've noticed that. Yeah. And then, like, I've had conversations. That's why, like, like, with the kids that I coach now, I'm like, hey, don't say nothing. Like, let me do it. Mind your business. Yeah. Focus on the game. Stay stay in your headspace. Yeah. You know? And, you know, and, and it's interesting. Like, I, I, like, again, we're sitting here watching football right now, right? Yeah. And, you know, like, there are some iffy calls that we saw. And there are some good ones. Yeah. You know? Like, it, it happens. It's going to happen. And no one's perfect. I think Nobody's that's... Perfect. I mean, I think if you ask 10 sports fans in any sport, right, whether the hockey or golf or... I don't know if golf has referees, but if you ask them to be a referee, would they be willing to be referee? Mm-hmm. Like I would say, seven or eight out of ten would say no. Right. They'd be like, hell no. That's a lot of pressure, and no matter what call you make, you're gonna be hated by either side. You know what I mean? I think all Raider fans think they make calls against them. <laughs> but that's just true, me. true, yeah. That's just me. Yeah. But, um, with that being said, man, like I know we usually do like more like crime, crime, but this was a crime. This was a lighthearted crime. Believe it or not, this was like one of the ones that we went to I don't do. even know. Did we say how much prison time he got? How, how much time he got? I'll have to double check. I, think he I got want to like, say he got like 15 months. Yeah, 15 months. That's what it was. Because everybody got like about 15 months. Yeah. Yeah, he got 15 months in pr- prison. Yeah. H- him, Bob, uh, 
what's his name? Baba Batista. Baba. Baba Batista. I think he got a little bit more. They all got about like 15 months. Yeah, or so, yeah. give or take. So they, it wasn't like a, because a, when the federal government comes after you, usually serving life sentences. Because mm-hmm. that's how they got they got Gotti, John Gotti. Mm-hmm. Like when they got him, he served like four consecutive 25-year sentences. But see, he was ordering, you know, not only was he drug trafficking, he was like killing people, he was putting hits on other people. That's some heavy shit. I watched this movie this morning, to be honest. And, and I'll tell you, I, I was like, why him? Because yeah. <laughs> he was doing for his neighborhood, though. Like, when, when he left, the neighborhood went to shit. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I understand, like, yeah, we don't want to condone, like, forms of power. But think about it. Think about it this way, bro. If every neighborhood came together with some type of, I don't want to say leadership, but somebody, like, protecting them. Right in a way, I don't want to say go out killing people or selling drugs, whatever, but protecting them. You know how much time, how much less crime we would have in our communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have the bloods and the crips, but now that's turned into something else. Right. Like the Latin Kings, that turned into something else. You know, the the 17th Street uh, gangs, like all those, they turn into something else. They turn into a monetary thing rather than just a protection. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. those gangs, most gangs started as a protection for the community. Yeah, I think that was one thing. Um, there was an ins- a movie. I don't know if it's a movie or a show, but it's it's written partially by Bruce Lee, rest in peace. But it was about the Asian immigrants that were living in San Francisco area at the time, and because they were the new immigrants, and the Irish immigrants were the older immigrants, and the Asian immigrants were quote unquote stealing their jobs, but they weren't. They were just it was capitalism, and these owners wanted to pay less to the Asians than they were to the Irish. Um, anyway, so, you know, these gangs would come after the Asian immigrants, and because the police at the time didn't really see these Asian immigrants as, like, citizens, right. Asian immigrant immigrants started making their own gangs to protect themselves against the Irish people that were harassing right. them and, you know, doing some foul shit to them. So it's all, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's like the Black Panther Party, right? The Black Panther Party is probably the best example of that, and, you know, it's no longer existing, but during the 60s, there was this movement... And a lot of white people were scared because they advertised it as something different or they put it in the news as something different, something to be fearful of. But they were, you know, they did a lot of like, you know, what do you call those things? Um, food pantry giveaways. Right. You know what I mean, they were, they were serving hot meals for breakfast on a Saturday and giving books to the children that, mm-hmm. you know, didn't have money to buy books. You know what I mean? They were doing a lot of that shit too. And I think that's the interesting part about like, you know, uh, I don't want to just say our society, but society as a whole has kind of uh, turned to that. There's always little pockets of that in each parts of the world. And I feel like, and, and that's just me though, I feel like the Black Panthers are slowly coming back. Slowly. Somewhat, yeah. Because there, there are so many atrocities happening around our general areas that we live in. Like, you know, Sacramento area down to SoCal. You know, like, you know, there's so many atrocities that are happening to minorities. Like, whether you're brown, black, even some white folks are getting getting some of some of this injustice too. Like I'm not one to sit here and be like, you know, one race is um, more uh, over the other. Cuz we, we all know like we all deal with some shit. If you if you're with us, then you're one of us. Yeah. You know, and it's just now like the certain groups are being formed just to be a pr- protector again. You know, and I applaud y'all. Whoever's doing this, man, I applaud y'all. Just make sure that we don't go the violent route mm-hmm. to where like it, 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 where we're made to look like thugs or, as the president would say, you know, these savages. You know, yeah, we, we don't want to look like that. We just we're just trying to make sure like we're protecting our own and protecting our, our beliefs and our 
social economic system. Like we don't want to end up like, what was this the the story we did based on the underground water? I mean, under buried underwater. Uh, no idea. Black Black Wall Street. We don't want to end up. Oh like them. yes, yes. We want to make sure Tulsa. Yeah, we want to make sure like we're we're doing our thing and striving, but strive together. Black and brown need to come together. Even the few whites who who are you know supportive come together. The Asians we need to come together. We all need to come together. I'm not saying in the sense of uh, like taking over, but in a sense of like rebuilding and protecting one another. I agree. You know. Well said. And with that being said, man, I know this one was about sports, but it got a little turned, but it yeah. had to. It had to. It had to. I think to. so, yeah. Um, but with that being said, man, Noah, what you got for the folks? Yeah. Be sure to like. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to follow the podcast. Leave a rating review. Apple Podcasts. Review us on Spotify. And follow us on Instagram at Crime. A sip of crime. And y'all know what I'm about to say, man. Y'all need to, you know, wash your hands, wash your ankles, wash your knees, wash your elbows. Heads, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. <laughs> but, hey, like, like, take care of yourselves, man. Take care of your loved ones. Take care of the people around you. Take care of your community. Um, see something, say something. A lot of times, like, we, we think we're snitching, but we could be protecting somebody, too, especially with all the snatching that's going on out there. Like, within the last week, two kids got uh, abducted. That I got Ember alerts on. So I'm just saying, like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's per- the world is perfect. We know the world ain't perfect. But right. we, if we could do our small part and help our communities, that would be greatly appreciated. And also, too, man, let us know what you think. Like, w- what would you do in this situation if you were a referee? Or what would you do if you were a player? You know, right. let us know. I want to know your opinions, you know. So shoot them our way. Other than that, man, like, uh, we still want justice for Victoria Berrios. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still waiting Preach. on that. Um, if y'all know anything, y'all in the Santa Ana area, y'all know something, say something. Other than that, man, we love y'all, appreciate y'all, and we out. Peace. Peace.